0: All right, we're going to continue our sermon series through, uh, it's called In God's Family. It's a topical series, and it's all about what does it mean to be the family of God? How do Christians interact? And one of the ideas behind this series is thinking about the difference between a hotel and a home. When you guys go on vacation and you stay in a hotel, there's always uh, like a dresser in the hotel room. How many of you actually unpack your suitcase and put your clothes in the dresser? yes i i never do i am like you know i'm only here for a few days i'm gonna go see the things take in the sights whatever i'm, I'm just gonna leave, live out of my suitcase for a few days and those dressers are like the cleanest dressers i've ever seen because i don't think they hardly ever get used and so um when when we do that we think of that hotel we, we're not really living there we're just staying there while we're on vacation it's all about the services that can be provided for us. Do they have a pool? Do they have a hot tub? Do they have a workout? Anybody ever use the workout room in the hotel? Okay, you guys are, are healthier than me. Um, <clears throat> do the, you know Is the breakfast good? Do they have free Wi-Fi? All those kinds of questions we think about uh, when, with a hotel. But we never really stay there. It's not our place. It's just a place to land for a short time. A lot of times Christians look at the church in a similar way as just kind of a hotel. Like, you know, we're here. There's a bunch of other people here, like other hotel guests. You know, hi, we'll make small talk in the lobby, and and that's fine. But um, I want to encourage you, as we're going through this series, talking about In God's Family, and really, uh, we've been talking about this for uh, the last five years, but I want to encourage you to unpack your bags and think of the church not as a spiritual hotel, but as your spiritual home. And the people that are sitting here this morning aren't other guests that happen to be in the hot tub at the same time you do so you can make polite, friendly small talk. We're we're family members. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so if you're new here and you're like, I need to live out of my suitcase a few more weeks, that's fine. But if you've been coming here for a while, I would encourage you to think about what would it mean to unpack my bags and to make this my spiritual home? You know, one of the things that stands out to me, um, when you go to a hotel, you don't do your own laundry, right? You, you leave your towels on the floor and room service comes and picks them up and launders them and brings you new towels. But if you try that at home, you'll be sleeping on the couch, Uh, And if you're single and you try that at home, you will eventually run out of towels because if you don't wash the towels, nobody washes the towels, right? So one of the ways that we can start thinking of the church as our home is to start thinking about how can I help out around the house? What can I do? How can I serve? We talked about serving last week, but another way that we can think of the church as as our home or the, the congregation as our family is by doing what families do. When families get together, we eat especially in the Midwest. When families get together, we eat casseroles. And we have six crockpots. And, you know, it's like, this is what families do. We eat. And so we're a family. And we get together monthly and we eat. And we, and we call them gospel communities. And we're, the next round of gospel communities is coming up in a, in a couple of weeks. It's the week after Labor Day in September. And we'll have sign-ups out. And if you were part of a gospel community last year, that's okay. We're just asking everybody to, to sign up fresh. Um, if you sign up for the same one, that's totally fine. But it's just an opportunity to come together, to get to know one another, to move from uh, I think I've seen that person before, but I don't really know them. To hey, I know your name. We're get, we're starting to build a relationship. I'm starting to unpack my bags and think of this as my family and a family gathering. So I want to encourage you to do that. We'll get more information. The, the sign ups for gospel communities will be out next Sunday, and we can start signing up for those. Um, but That's the idea behind this series of in God's family. What does it mean to be the family of God? Now, I had planned on a certain topic to talk about this week, uh, this Sunday, but as I was having different conversations with people and and different things came up through the week, I really felt like the Lord was redirecting me to a different topic than the one I had planned. Um, And so last week we talked about serving one another and we talked about doing that through the manifestations of the spirit which is a really weird sounding phrase but the manifestations of the spirit is basically when the holy spirit displays god's grace love and power through you as you serve others that's basically what it is and so we were in 1st corinthians chapter 12 and some people must have been reading a little bit further down in the chapter than where we went because it starts talking about some of the manifestations of the spirit like speaking in tongues and prophecy and healing and words of wisdom and knowledge and all these different things and and so um some of those things sound a little weird to us today and so people were asking me questions you know what does this look like and and i i was praying about it and i really felt like the lord said it's okay to change the topic for the week and what i want to talk about is prophecy specifically prophecy. Now, I had a lot of questions about speaking in tongues, too. It's too much. I can't cover tongues and prophecy in one sermon. So I I narrowed it down to prophecy, and really what I want, the, the title of this sermon would be, in God's family, we build one another up. We don't tear one another down. We build one another up, and we do that, one way that we do that is through prophecy, Now prophecy is something that a lot of people don't understand. There's a lot of confusion about it. And so we're going to look at this topic. We'll jump all over different places in the Bible as we do that. All the verses will be up on the screen. You can follow along as best you can. But I wanted to start by giving you a positive and a negative example of prophecy. So we can start to put our heads around what this is and how does it work in the church today. Here's a positive example. A couple of years ago, Corinne and I went on a pastor's retreat in Colorado, and we were meeting with other pastors, and the purpose of this retreat was to study the Word together, pray together, and practice hearing God speak together in a safe environment. And so uh, we did different things, and one of the things that we did is they grouped us into small groups, and, they, and we didn't know anybody at this conference before we went. So they grouped us into small groups, and they said, we're going to go around in the circle, and we're going to pray for each person one at a time. And none of us knew, any, knew each other, but they said, don't share any prayer requests. Instead, we're going to ask God, what do you have to say for this person? And then we're going to take a few minutes of quiet listening. And when thoughts come to our mind, we're going to share those thoughts. No matter how far out of left field they seem, how weird or unrelated they seem, it's a safe group, it's a safe circle. Share it and then we'll talk about is this from God, is this not from God, how do you know. And, and through that practice, we'll begin to discern when it's God speaking and when it's not. So we were in a small group, and there were some women in the group, and there were some men in the group, and we were going around the circle, and there was an older woman. Her name was Cindy, super sweet. And uh, as we were praying for Cindy, we'd never met her before. Nobody knew each other. One of the other women in the group said, okay, um, I have this thought and it's really weird and it doesn't make any sense, but I'll share it because we're supposed to be practicing this. And she said, as I was praying for you, Cindy, I had this idea sort of in my imagination of you wearing a Batman costume. And she was like, I don't know what that means. And so I was asking God, like, is this from you? Is this last night's pizza? Um, You know, like, what does this mean? And she said, "I, I really felt like the Lord said, you know, when Bruce Wayne uh, puts on his Batman costume, he goes out and he helps people. He saves them from their problems and whatever, and nobody knows it's Bruce Wayne. All they see is Batman. And, so, uh, and she said, I feel like you're the kind of person, Cindy, that puts on Jesus. And you go out and you share the love of Christ with people and you help them in their needs and you, and you figure out what they need and, how to, and they don't actually see you, they see Christ reflected in you. And this um, little woman, a little old woman began to cry and she said, when I was a little girl, I was president of the Batman Club in our neighborhood. I loved Batman and, and I was president of the Batman Club in our neighborhood and she said, I pray all the time that God would let other people see Christ reflected in me and not me. And I try to, every day I try to, who can I help today and may they see Christ in me. And so, These two women had never met, never known each other, and we were just kind of blown away. That is a positive example of God speaking a prophetic word through somebody to encourage another person. Positive example. Now, what about negative examples of prophecy? Well, go to YouTube and Google 2020 presidential election. You'll find about 800 negative examples of people who claimed to be prophets saying, Thus saith the Lord... This person will win the election. And then when he didn't win, thus saith the Lord, the election results will be overturned. And then it wasn't overturned. Thus saith the Lord, we were wrong. They never say that part, right? Negative examples of people claiming to speak on behalf of God when clearly they were wrong. So prophecy, what is, what is it? How does it work? How do we incorporate this practice as a body of believers to build one another up not tear one another down because the world spends enough time tearing each other down. Christians are called to be different. We're called to build each other and others up. So how do we do that? At the very forefront, I want to state my own presupposition or pre-understanding. I believe that every single Christian can be used by God in supernatural ways to build others up. Every single Christian Even if, as many were sharing with us, you got saved in April and you start being a camp counselor in June. Saved for a month and a half, and now I'm being used by God in supernatural ways to build others up. You don't have to be a Christian for 20 years, you don't have to have a seminary degree, you don't have to know all the books of the Bible in order in order to be used by God in supernatural ways to build others up. If you are a follower of Christ, you can be used by God. And so I I just want to say that at the forefront, that is, I believe that is very true. Every Christian can be used by God in supernatural ways to build others up. As we talk about prophecy specifically, I want us to think through two questions. What do we need to know and what do we need to do? And the first question, what do we need to know? Number one, we need to know what prophecy is Prophecy is sharing God's words with others in the power of the Spirit to build them up. Now, the Bible, you will not find a single Bible verse that says, this is the definition of prophecy. Doesn't, doesn't exist. You have, to, you have to look at what the Scripture says about prophecy and you have to put those things together and synthesize them into an understanding. Prophecy is sharing God's words with others in the power of the Spirit to to build them up. Not sharing my ideas. Sharing God's ideas. It's not me coming up with this myself. It is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is a manifestation of the Spirit. Like we talked about last week. And it's for the purpose of building others up. Not tearing them down. Okay. We're going to look at some uh, scriptures. Where we get some of those ideas from. But prophecy can include. For example. It can include a call to repent. Repent. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and here's what he was preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet since Moses, and the content of his prophecy was a call to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So prophecy can include calling people to repent. It can also include a call to action. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, the overseers of the church in Antioch had gathered together and it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. They were praying, they were fasting, and the Holy Spirit prophetically spoke and called them to a specific action. Barnabas and Saul, we know Saul better as the Apostle Paul. And they went on their missionary journey and Paul wrote lots of the New Testament and the rest is history because the Spirit spoke and called them to action. Uh, Prophecy can also include foretelling future events. That's what we typically think of when we think of prophecy. Acts chapter 11 verse 27 says, Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. Agabus, empowered by the Spirit, predicts a famine. It happened a few years later. So prophecy can include predicting the future or foretelling future events. It can also include speaking a blessing over others. We're not going to read through all of it, but most of Genesis chapters 48 and 49 are one long prophetic blessing that Jacob spoke over his sons and grandsons. So when we speak God's blessing over others, that can be prophecy. Um, and the last thing on my list is that prophecy can include strengthening, encouraging, and comforting others. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3 Paul is writing this chapter, and he's talking about speaking in tongues, and he's talking about prophecy, and he's just said something about speaking in tongues in verse 2. And then in verse 3, he says, On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So prophecy can include, let's look at that list again. It can include a, a call to repent, a call to action, Foretelling the future, speaking a blessing over others, and strengthening, encouraging, and comforting others. In the church, we call that edification. That's kind of a weird word, but that's what it means. Notice that of the five bullet points on that list, only one has to do with predicting the future. Only one. What we can learn from that is the vast majority of prophecy is not predicting the future or who's going to win the World Series? Or who's going to win the next election? The vast majority of prophecy is simply speaking God's word to others in a way that encourages and builds them up. That's what most of prophecy is in the Bible and in the church today. Most of it is sharing God's words with others in the power of the Spirit to build them up and not tear them down. The second thing that we need to know about prophecy is that prophecy must be tested. It must be tested. Just because someone comes and says, I have a word from the Lord, does not mean they have a word from the Lord. Prophecy must be tested. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, we read a verse like that and we say, how do I test the spirits? How do I know if they're from God? He tells me to test and not to believe everything, but how do do we even figure this out? And a lot of times what we do when we read a verse that sparks a question, we stop and we try to figure out the answer to that question. But sometimes if we read a few more verses, that question's answered. Look at verse two. By this, you know the spirit of God. Okay, so you're supposed to test all the spirits because false prophets are in the world. Here's how you know who is speaking by the Holy Spirit. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. He gives us a litmus test. How do you know if somebody's speaking from God? And here it is. Prophecy from the Holy Spirit always Leads to the confession of Christ. Prophecy from the Holy Spirit always teaches us, reveals something about Jesus, leads us to worship Christ exalt Christ, make much of Jesus, clarify who Jesus is, the Son of God who came as a human being and died on the cross in your place and mine for our sins so that he could fix the sin problem and save us from sin and death and destruction and separation from God. If, if, if there's somebody comes to you and says, I have a word from the Lord or you see a supposed prophet on YouTube and, and what they're saying has nothing to do with Jesus, that's not from the Holy Spirit. That's not from God. Now they might be saying something that's true or they could be saying something that's not true but it's not from God because every prophecy from the Holy Spirit always 100% of the time leads to a confession of Jesus. Here's how Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. He said, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. How do you know? How do you test a prophet to see if they are from God? Well, is their prophecy leading to the exaltation and the glorification and the clarification and the confession of Jesus Christ? Because prophecy from God always points to Jesus. Another way that we can test prophecy is that prophecy from the Holy Spirit never contradicts scripture. Never. Acts chapter 17 verse 11, even the apostle Paul had to be tested by scripture. Paul and Silas had gone to a town called Berea. They had been in Thessalonica, they'd gone to Berea and they were preaching the gospel and in verse 11 of Acts 17 it says, "Now these Jews, the Jews that were in Berea, They were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Even the apostle Paul comes proclaiming a message and we say, "Um, we've got to check the Bible and see if that's accurate. Right? A prophet never outranks the authority of God's word. Scripture is the highest and final authority in every matter of faith and life and belief and conduct and what we think is right and wrong and true and good and bad and everything. It all comes under the authority of Scripture. And a prophet, even if he says or she says, I have a word from the Lord, does not outrank Scripture, period. So two sort of absolute litmus tests on how to test prophecy, prophecy always leads to the confession of Jesus, and prophecy never contradicts Scripture. And by those two tests, we can begin to see if a prophecy is from the Holy Spirit. So that's what we need to know. Now, what do we do? How do we apply that? This is not about information. It's about application. So what should we do with this knowledge? Well, number one, we should ask God to empower us to build each other up By speaking his words to one another. In other words, ask God to empower you to prophesy to your brothers and sisters in Christ, to build them up, to speak his words. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Paul, uh, this whole chapter is about speaking in tongues. And prophecy and maybe we'll do a follow-up podcast about speaking in tongues if you want to know more about that it's just too much information to get all in one sermon but as he's introducing this conversation about prophecy and tongues here's what he says in verse 1 of chapter 14 pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy earnestly desire this especially that you may prophesy and then he says again at the end of chapter 14 in verse 39 as he concludes this conversation he says so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues now i have been in churches and i have pastors i have pastors right now who are i'm friends with and they say things like there is no more speaking in tongues. There is no more prophecy. That doesn't happen anymore. We don't allow that in our church. And I honestly don't really understand how that argument can be made when it's so clear in here. Paul says twice to earnestly desire to prophesy, and he says, don't forbid speaking in tongues. Now, again, on tongues, there's a whole that's a whole other sermon uh, by itself. But the point that I want to make is... I was convicted as I was putting this message together because Paul tells us two times in that one chapter to earnestly desire to prophesy and I can't remember the last time when I was sitting down to pray and getting out my prayer list that on the list next to keep my family safe, help us to have a good week, um, help my aunt's uh, ingrown toenail and then um, empower me to prophesy. I can't remember the last time that I sat down and asked God to empower me to prophesy that that was on my list of prayer requests. And for most of us, my guess is that's probably not a prayer request that you raise up to God all that much either. But Paul tells us twice that we should ask God, that we should seek this, that we should pursue it. So that's the first thing that we should do is ask God to empower us to build each other up by speaking his words to one another. And the second thing that we should do is practice. You don't get better at anything unless you practice. You'll never learn to hit the baseball very far if you never practice, right? So we need to practice. So we need to do that in safe and comfortable ways. Remember, every Christian can be used by God in supernatural ways to build others up. So all we need to do is we, is we need to practice. And You know, as you start thinking about that, we get kind of nervous. What if I ask God for an encouraging word for somebody and I don't hear anything? That's okay. I I do this a lot. I pray and I ask God, what do you want me to pray for this person? And I don't hear anything. And that's fine. We don't have to make something up so that we can look more spiritual. You actually don't want to do that, right? So if you're praying and you're asking and you don't hear anything, it's totally fine. Just go on. Right? Uh, or you say, well, I had a thought, but I don't know if it's from the Lord. Well, let me encourage you to do this. If you're asking God for an encouraging word for somebody and you have an encouraging word come to your mind, assume that it's from the Lord and share that encouragement with that person. Even if it wasn't from the Lord, you haven't hurt them at all by encouraging them. You've helped them. You've encouraged them. But we should assume if I ask God, can I have an encouraging thought for my wife and then I have an encouraging thought for my wife, why would I assume that it wasn't God answering my prayer? I should assume it was God answering my prayer and I should share that encouragement with her. Uh, Even if it wasn't, it didn't hurt anything and as we practice, we learn to recognize when it's God speaking and when it's not God speaking. And so I wanna uh, also caution us As we share encouraging words or prophetic words with others, we need to do it in a spirit of humility. Never go to somebody and say, thus saith the Lord, you should adopt a child from China. Don't do that right? Thus saith the Lord, you are going to get pregnant next year. And then if they don't get pregnant, either you're a false prophet or God didn't keep his promise. Now you've like put them into a tailspin. What you can do is you can say, I was praying for you. I asked God for an encouraging thought for you. And this verse came to my mind. I want to share it with you. I'm not saying that it was from the Lord. I asked for an encouraging thought. I had an encouraging thought. I want to encourage you. If it's from God, I pray that he encourages you. If it's not from God, let it go in one ear and right out the other right? But we need to be humble, humility, humble in how we share. And don't claim to speak for God if you don't, if you're not, right? So as we're practicing, as we're sharing, speak with humility. Um, And and what I want to do today as we close is I actually want to practice this together. So I, I... I had planned on grouping you guys into like little pairs and having you each pray and ask God for an encouraging word and share it with each other right here. And the, the staff was like, that might be a little bit of like drinking from a fire hose. Um, <laughs> so what I want us to do, you'll need a, you'll need a piece of paper and there's, there's pads of paper um, near you and a pen. You can use your phone to take a note. I find when I get my phone out, I'm distracted. So if you, if you want to take a note on your phone, that's fine, but you need some way to write a note down. Um, I have a journal, uh, a listening journal, and I record when I think I've heard from the Lord or, or not, um, prayer requests or things like that. But I want us to practice this, and this spiritual practice is something that only takes a few minutes to do, and, it, and I think it's something that Christians can and maybe should do at least a couple of times a week. And... You'll see, as, as I explain it, how different our relationships with others could be if we made this a regular practice. So what I want you to do is I want you to think of somebody. It could be your spouse. It could be a, a child. It could be a friend or a neighbor or a co-worker. Or some, just, it could be somebody in your church family. Just think of somebody that you know and that you're going to interact with this week. Um, get, their, get their name or their face in your mind. And we're going to ask the Lord to give us an encouraging word to share with that person this week. It could be a scripture. It could be a song. I was a worship pastor for 12 years before I came to Lakeview. I have a lot of song lyrics in my head. And a lot of times God brings song lyrics to my mind to encourage people. So it could be a scripture. It could be a song. It could be kind of an idea. um, But I want you to write that down. And then I want you to share it with the person this week. And the last thing to do is when you share it with them, I want you to send me an email. Andy at lakeviewfree.org. I want you to send me an email and I want you to tell me what happened. You don't have to give me details. Oh, I told this person I I saw X and I saw Y and I saw Z and I shared it with them and they did blah, blah. Just write down, I had an encouragement. I shared it with someone. Here's what their reaction was because I want to celebrate that. And I won't mention your name from the front unless you say you may interview me from stage next Sunday. Um, You know, I'm not going to do that. But I just want to Celebrate it and share it together as we are growing in our practice of encouraging one another and building one another up because that's what we do in God's family. Before we start, let me go back to what if I don't hear anything or what if I'm not sure I'm hearing from the Lord. Let me give you a 100% foolproof way to every single time you do this, share something with that other person that absolutely is from God. 100% foolproof way. You want to know what it is? If you don't hear anything or if you're not sure, look up an encouraging Bible verse and send it to them. Because every single word in this book is a prophetic word from the Lord. And if you look up and go to Google and type in top 100 encouraging Bible verses and then pick one off the list and share it with that person. I was praying for you and I just wanted to share the scripture with you. Every time you do that, you're sharing God's words with them in a way that builds them up and encourages them. And then we pray that the Holy Spirit brings that to them so however you want to do this you can build each other up by sharing god's word with others in that way so we're going to practice this again those steps think of that person ask god for an encouraging word write it down share it with them this week and then let me know how it went Uh, let's pray and we'll, we'll practice doing this together